The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And over the next few weeks and possibly months, uh, we're going to be doing short, hopefully short, episodes that focus on the top prospects available in the 2020 NBA draft. What we're going to do, I think, is just take them in the order that I have them in my latest mock draft. So we're going to start the day with my little homie, LaMelo Ball. He's a six foot seven point guard, obviously LeVar's youngest son, Lonzo's little brother from California, but he's also spent the past few years playing in Lithuania, in Ohio, in Australia. Played in the NBL this past season against professionals as an 18-year-old. Incredible passer, incredible playmaker. Simply put, when I look at everybody in the 2020 NBA draft, I think LaMelo Ball has the best chance to be an all-star many times over highest upside best potential and that's why i think he should go number one overall in the 2020 nba draft but norlander i know you disagree you don't even have Lamelo in your top five so let's start mm-hmm. there basically everybody has Lamelo in the top five you have him seventh what makes you so skeptical of the youngest ball brother a lot, but I, I'll start by saying this, GP. I actually am thrilled and relieved that we actually have something we genuinely disagree on because <laughs> I think uh, we tend to agree more times than not, which makes for a good podcast, but it is good to find genuine disagreement here, and we are not on the same page. I assume whenever we get to that draft in October, uh, whether we're in our own houses or we are allowed to be on the same set for the HQ draft show, uh, we'll talk about that more then and in the months leading up, but yes, we disagree plenty here. So what you're referring to, I had a mock draft go up in, I believe, early July, if not late June. And that mock draft was only per my big board, if you will. It was my projection on where I think everyone that's eligible to be drafted in 2020 will ultimately end up in terms of a hierarchy of their playing career. So I think, I project, I guess, I predict that 10 to 15 years from now, when we look back at this draft class, LaMelo Ball will not be the best player from this class. He won't be the second. He won't be the third. He won't be the fourth. My best estimation is seventh right now. Why do I believe that? A few reasons why. One, I hate 
his decision-making when it comes to shooting. He is not an accurate shooter. He shot 25% playing in the NBL this past uh, season, if you will. He didn't even play a full season. I do have some general injury concerns. He had a bone bruise issue. He stopped playing after, I believe it was 12 games. Didn't shoot 50% from two-point range. I don't deny that he's got a solid, relatively solid frame at 6'7 GP, um, but I've never thought that he was as good as Lonzo. I've seen, I saw him in person albeit it was wow gp three two three years ago now um didn't wasn't as enamored with him then uh as most so i still think that he can be a good player but when i look at Lamelo ball i don't see the kind of player that validates going first in even what's a weak draft because to me he is not as reliable and his ceiling doesn't project as as comfortably for me as some other players in the draft See, I, I think his ceiling is, is the highest of anybody in the draft. Whether he reaches that or not, I don't know. I mean, that's the deal, right? Uh, but, uh, and I've said this um, consistently for a long time, at the top of the draft, I want the guy who's got the best chance to be an all-star more times than anybody else in the draft. Like, if things go well, this is that dude. And um, I don't look for safest at the top of a draft. I look for, like, if this person reaches his potential – is he the best player in this draft? And I think that guy is LaMelo. He did not, and the inefficiency is a real problem. Like, uh, it, what's weird is he makes great decisions as a passer, terrible decisions as a shooter. And I really do think that's why the shooting percentages are so low. Like, I've been watching him shoot for like five years. Like, I first saw him. Um, I am the first person to ever write a ball story. You realize that, right? I, I'm aware. I'm aware. Continue. I discovered the ball family. I discovered them. Yeah, fair, fair enough. If you want to listen, that's a, that's a loaded statement. So if you want to own that, that's fine. But there's there's plenty of baggage that comes along with it. I discovered the Ball family. I was uh, we were out in Vegas, and I was starting every morning at Foothill, like I always used to. Of course. And I was like, okay, I gotta write. I gotta write. I gotta. I gotta. I got to prove my worth out here. I got to write about something, somebody. So like, what what's interesting? And somebody actually said, well, you know, the one. The, the, the Lonzo ball is like, yeah, uh, going to UCLA, right. He's like, you know, he's got two little brothers and they both play with him on a 17 and under team, but they're not like shoe company affiliated. And the mom and dad, a mixed race couple coach the team. I was like, well, that's interesting. Um, they, they, I gotta be able to get something out of that. So I go and I watch the, 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 the ball. Uh, what were the, they, I think they were called the big ballers. Yeah. Something and, like that. And, yeah. And so you're, you're, you're focused, like Lonzo's obviously the star of the team, but there's a 13-year-old little bitty kid out there like just hooping, like, like legit getting shots off and making them. And so I went and talked to them afterward. I met LeVar and Tina, and I met the whole family, talked to the whole family. And I think it was actually you. You were also in the building. It may have been Jeff Goodman, but I think it was you as well. And you, you let's just pretend it was you and you i remember like getting being done with that you can say it's not you if it wasn't you well, but I'm, gonna, I'm gonna wait to see what you're gonna say here before i take okay. ownership so go ahead I, I just remember this um by the way i'm talking to all of them like by myself in the middle of a basketball gym with you know 500 other people nobody cares nobody knows who lavar ball is nobody cares about lonzo ball like it was if you contrast that scene to what we saw i think literally the next year right it was just like a totally different Thing. Like LeVar couldn't walk anywhere within two years of this of this 
uh, day, LeVar Ball couldn't walk in a gym without it seeming like LeBron James just walked in. But at the time, nobody cared. Nobody knew who he was. So I talked to LeVar, and he's LeVar Ball. Nobody knew it, mm-hmm. like he, but he was talking the way LeVar Ball talks. And so my memory of this is um, I walked back over to you, and, and you were like, so how'd that go? And I was like, that was amazing. Like that, 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 that guy, I, I do mean, remember man, this. Yes. The story, the stories this guy was telling were just gold. Like when you're a writer and you would, you approach somebody, you were hoping they give you stuff to work with. And my God, this guy gave me a million things to work with. So I wrote that column back then. And then Lonzo goes to UCLA, blows up, LeVar blows up. And LaMelo becomes super famous because he was just, you know, because he was shooting from all over the court uh, constantly. So then you fast forward maybe in the next year or two. So LaMelo's 13 years old. Then I want to say it's when he was 15 years old that they had the big game against Zion. Right. Which was unlike anything I've ever seen on the grassroots scene. Mm -hmm. And I I would imagine it'll be hard to match going forward. Yeah. Especially because we're not going to be back in Vegas like we used to be. And I know. Yeah. Vegas added to that. Like Vegas was a part of that. I mean, it was like after midnight on the East Coast and we were <laughs> they were live streaming that's, Zion Williamson against LaMelo Ball. Hey, OK, let me ask you this. Did you have any idea on that night we were maybe watching two future number one overall picks? No, that's what, definitely that's what, not. I mean, they I, were both they were big time deals and. Uh, you know, I remember sitting, I actually, I remember Sean Miller sitting next to Sean Miller for the first half of that game and Mark few for the second half of that game. And, um, and them kind of saying like, the only thing that could match this was like LeBron going into his senior year. And at that point, like the, the whole ball family, it was a whole, like there was a lot of stuff attached to the ball family at that point, plenty of like not good stuff as well. Remember this was also when and we don't have to slip too far down this tangent we are going to try and make these compact podcasts but this was when remember lavar took his whole team off the floor because he didn't <laughs> want a female official work in the game like there was a ton of crap tied to it zion williamson was obviously well known and he, he was skyrocketing in terms of his social media presence and all that kind of stuff but even then he wasn't considered the best player in his class so it was an event remember lebron james was advised not to come into the building uh because of all of this stuff and no i did not think by any means we were watching two players go up against each other that would eventually become or could have become number one pick Zion has lived up to that we wait and see if that will actually become true with LaMelo later this year what I what I also remember about that time is that there was starting to a narrative was starting to develop uh, maybe narratives too strong but like I remember sitting down with other basketball writers you know we're all out there we all know each other we're hanging out and having drinks and dinners and I just remember people saying LaMelo's not that good and, I would have been one and, of them. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. So, so it's you. And th- the point I tried to make even back then was you are judging him against people two years older than him. He was still only like 15 years old. He played 17 and up grassroots ball from the age of 13. All right. So by the time he was 15, he had, he had grown a little bit. So like when I first saw him when he was 13, he looked like a baby out there playing with these 17-year-olds. By the time he was 15, he had grown enough where he looked the part. But he was still just 15 years old. So I would remember not having arguments, but just somebody would say, I don't think he's an NBA player. And I was like, 
Name me the 15-year-old who's obviously better. Like, stop comparing him to Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and compare him to other people his age because compared to other people his age, he looks great to me. Uh, yeah, like, needs to get the shot selection under control. There's obviously room for improvement here and there, but in terms of skill set and potential, I don't – I don't see why LaMelo Ball can't play in the NBA. And now you fast forward three years from that. He's 18 year old. He's 18 years old, largely being compared to other players his age, players who are also available for this draft. And who knows if he'll actually go number one. But the fact that he has a chance to go number one um, is is a testament to, yes, his talent, but also his skill set. Because, um, I, you know, the shooting stuff, like there's some mechanic stuff that needs to be worked out. Sure. I think a lot of it's just, he takes bad shots. And so the percentage is low. Like I've seen him make enough shots. I think he can be a shot maker in the NBA, but in pick and roll situations, like he really knows how to play angles. He really knows how to pass. He's got great vision. It, it I'm not comparing them as players. And, but I'm, I'm comparing them in this way. When Luka Doncic was in the 2018 NBA draft, Heading into that, and I was guilty of this as well, um, I think people started focusing too much on what they thought he couldn't do instead of just focusing on all the things he's obviously great at. It was like, yeah, but is he going to be able to get a shot off against NBA caliber athletes? And is he quick enough to do A, B, and C? And again, I was somebody asking these questions. I was wrong on Luca, And not crazy wrong, like I didn't have him going seventh, but I didn't have him going number one, which is where he should have gone. And I just, with the benefit of hindsight, what we now know is that everything Luka Doncic was doing in Europe, he's doing in the NBA. Like every bit of it, he can do. He can do it all. It translated perfectly. And so our the, to focus on the things he couldn't do was to ignore too much of the unbelievable things he is great at. And I think LaMelo is, is similar, not necessarily in terms of the way they play, but he is so gifted at some very specific things. He can see things and make plays that other 18-year-olds just cannot make. And while I recognize there's some there's some negatives connected to him, I just think the obvious positives are hard to pass up. He averaged 17 points, two and a half turnovers, two and a half fouls, 7.6 rebounds, 6.8 assists uh, while playing for the Illawarra Hawks in the NBL Australian League. He made six shots for every almost 17 he took per game. Again, 25% from three, 46% from two. Uh, I sell him because I don't think that he prefers contact. I don't think he's good at penetrating, finishing at the rim. Uh, I think he's got weird knees. And again, you know, maybe a little bit. <laughs> weird knees? Oh, you walked right into it, my buddy. Walked right into it. Earlier this morning, as uh, before we recorded this podcast, talked with one Sam Vecini about a number of things, and we got to talking about LaMelo Ball and why he's higher on him, but has some has some uh some hesitations here and there and we were talking about things that we don't do and don't like about him and i'd mentioned uh, he's got he's got bizarre knees man he's like that's an absolutely accurate assessment almost no one talks about it and if you bring it up on the podcast gp's gonna wonder what the hell you're talking about 
<laughs> watch the way that he plays, man. He's got it's he's got a bizarre little gait to him, and uh, I think he needs more strength in his legs, and that leads to uh, yeah, he's got weird knees. Hashtag weird knees on Lamella Ball. So I'm not nearly as high on him as as you are. Yes, he has a decent uh, amount of potential with some of the stuff that he can do. I'm also curious, by the way. You know, he left Australia in January. We're now here on the doorstep of August, and what's he been doing for training? He's been completely out of the spotlight. Maybe that's going to be for for the better. I don't know. You know, NBA teams are going to want to ideally, hopefully, get as much uh, information as they can to these guys in a physical, in-person sense. But as we record these podcasts, maybe that's going to change in a week or two or three. But we just don't know if teams, when teams are going to be able to go and see these guys in person for workouts, if there can be any semblance of a combine. We don't yet know that. So, um, yeah, LaMelo Ball will wind up being, and I'm glad we started this whole little you know, side series within the podcast, if you will, talking about him because he is among the most interesting prospects there. Um, you can't discard his father in all of this. Now, Lonzo has been able to, I think in leaving Los Angeles, has been able to kind of be his own guy and there's just not as much attached to him anymore. I hope that his father can allow LaMelo that same amount because I will say this, by the way, LaMelo Ball... Uh, to no fault of his own, he was a young kid and all that, probably among the worst interviews I've ever had of any prospect ever. Just had nothing to say, nothing to say whatsoever. So that was a couple of years ago. Hopefully he has uh, allowed himself to progress and, and actually grow as a young man, and he can uh, he can pre- present a lot of good things for a franchise. But to me, you pick a guy number one, you are, no matter the kind of draft, no matter how strong or weak the draft is, when you have the number one pick, and you pick whoever you pick in that spot, you are picking a player that in theory should be the kind of guy that is a franchise-building, championship-contending kind of player. To me, LaMelo Ball doesn't represent that. I think that he is obviously a starting-level point guard in the NBA, but I'm not convinced that he'll ever be good enough to be an all-star. Um, I did see some like workout stuff of LaMelo pop up on Twitter or Instagram or somewhere over the past few days. So um, don't worry. He's not just sitting on a couch. He's actually getting work in, but um, it will be a long time between the last time he played and the night that he is selected, whether it's first, second, third, or even seventh. If, if so, you don't think there's any chance he's picked seventh. You just don't. Right. Oh, yeah. So, no, just to be clear here. Right. So, you know, you and I, we're, listen, we've had the longest. This is the this is unprecedented. We've never had this much time between the end of a season and, and the, the, the start of the draft. So we are uh, doing like monthly updated mock drafts, but I'm trying to give it a little bit of variety with them. And so I did a mock draft purely on if it was up to me, this is how I would order all these prospects. So I have you lead me right into what I was going to ask you to close out this podcast. So I have LaMelo Ball. My best guess is that he's going to have the seventh best NBA career in this class. That's still really, really good, by the way. I just don't see him as a top five guy. You've got him one. Now, we don't know the teams yet, um, but even with that, let's just have a little bit of fun with this because we'll wind up talking about Mello as we get closer into September, but um, is that your blanket expectation? Like, you know, there's a good conversation with four guys to be number one. Those will be the, f- the four we talk about in the first four in the series, but do you think LaMelo is going to be, at the end of the day, do you put the highest percentage on him over any other guy to go first, or do you think someone else is maybe a little bit more likely to go number one? I, I think there appears to be four guys that could maybe go number one, and it really might be three. Um, it's LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards, and the fourth guy I was going to say is Obi Toppin, but I, 
I don't know that Obi Toppin has a real chance to go number one, even though, let me be clear, I'm not sure that he shouldn't. Like he, he might end up being the best, the best player from, from this draft class. But um, if I were running a franchise, regardless of the franchise, I would take LaMelo Ball number one. I, I, I really do believe that. Like, you know, the, the Warriors are projected to pick first in a lot of simulations. And I, you know, every time my mock draft is published somebody says why would you take Lamelo ball if you already have steph curry and clay thompson and blah 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 and it's like because if you really genuinely think he's going to be the best player that's the guy you want i do not take it and i, I don't think every nba franchise agrees with me on this but i would never take team need into consideration at the top of a draft at the, with the number one pick i'm taking the guy i think is going to be the best long-term player and in this draft, I, I'm not pretending like there are some drafts where it's just clear, like a, you either take Anthony Davis or you're an idiot. You either take uh, Zion, Zion Williamson, Williamson, right? Yeah. Or, or you're like, or you don't need to be running. Afraid. I'm not saying that about this. Reasonable people can disagree on this one. I'm just saying I would, I would take LaMelo Ball. Okay. Fair enough. Um, yeah. I just, I, I wish that he was more dominant than I've seen him be. I guess that's the, like he has flashes, but I'm just, it's just not, I'm not, uh, I'm not all there with, uh, with the package, well, but yeah. Well, well, think about this. You've really only seen him either play as a 15 year old against players, elite players, two years older than him, or as an 18 year old playing against professionals. Yeah. Cause even his high school, you know, his high school stuff apart. Exactly. So I don't. That's that's also an issue. I, we have never seen him play. I think this is like basically true. We've never seen him play against similar aged players. Right. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. So that, you know that to me that leaves room for speculation. We'll see. You know if he winds up going first and and, and is bustish, I would not be surprised given everything. And you know part of me also I can't get out of my mind when I saw him when he was fifteen. Dude, literally, I'm, this is not an exaggeration. I'm talking like eight to ten possessions in a game, brings the ball up the court, and within two or three steps of stepping over the, the half-court line, he's just jacking up shots. And they're not all going in, man, like brutal bricks. Like, And so I know that's not all of his game, and he's gotten away from some of it, but there's still there's still a penchant for some uh, for some rough shots. But anyway, that's, that's our LaMelo Ball uh, evaluation as we head toward the back half of the summer, and we still got plenty of time before the draft. Shouts to Devin Downey, shouts to Chester, South Carolina, shouts to Terry MF and Teagle, legend. Shouts to Larnell, and thank you for listening once again in the middle of a pandemic. If you enjoy the podcast, please, please tell one person about it. If you're not subscribed, go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts. I'd appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. Please go do that. We'll talk to you again really soon. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. 
So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 